Welcome to another sustainablewineblog.com podcast with me, Toby Webb. And I'm delighted that joining me in this podcast is Andrea Feluga, who is um, I guess owner, is that right, Andrea? Of, uh, we'll call right. it's a big family. Co-owner <laughs> of uh, Livio Feluga, um, a family-owned uh, winemaker winery uh, here in Friuli in northeast Italy. So uh, for those of you listeners who don't know much about this region, I urge you to come and visit it. I've just spent just two weeks here enjoying the food and wine and the wonderful views. And uh, today I'm doing a series of three, three podcasts, the first of which is uh, with Andrea, uh, about the wines he makes, uh, about the region, uh, and uh, also about sustainability issues and, and the environment. So, Andrea, um, welcome to the podcast. And uh, I know you are in the middle of your harvest at the moment. So uh, can you tell us how that's going so far? How's the weather been this year for you? Thank you, Tobia, and uh, buongiorno. Yes, it's going very well. In we are in a kind of the the mid the middle of picking the white grapes, which is the majority for us here in Friuli, and it's a very good season. We've been lucky the, during the summer, and uh, even if generally speaking it was it was a hot uh, season, we got uh, the rain we needed when uh, it was needed. So I can't I can't complain. Good. Very good. That's good to hear. And just to give our listeners a sense of the climate here, how consistent is this year with other years? Because, you know, in some parts of the Mediterranean coast, you know, they have good years a lot of the time. How variable is the weather here when it comes to your harvest? Well, Friuli and particularly the hills of Friuli are considered to be a very good environment for, for, for growing the, the vines since thousands of years. And that means probably that uh, this is an area which is uh, which is good for for in terms of weather as well in terms of uh, for for wine growing, and uh, of course there are differences between uh, the di between the different vintages. It is said that there's no if, from a winemaker point of view, for instance, uh, understanding the, the the profile of the grapes, deciding when to pick. Uh, the grapes, which is a very important time, because when you cut, uh, you can go back. It's it's uh, the decision is made, and uh, it's not it's a non-reversible reversible uh, process, and um, each vintage is different. So at the end is the experience of the winemaker who can can some can some somehow summarize what's going on and make the decision. So yes, we have good we have good weather here. With differences and what I can say is that we started I would say starting in the late 90s beginning of the 2000s we can face a weather change so the trend is of uh, having more energy in the in the atmosphere and that means more ex extreme weather hotter wetter and lots of lots of air lots of more more what more more hot more more water more rain more in intense in intense uh, weather conditions more volatility yes a kind of yes correct and how do you measure that is that just something you notice anecdotally or do you track um, well we in a non-scientific way we track because we have records for all of that but of course it's not our job in, in doing uh, doing uh, doing uh, um, 
statistics uh, about that. It's not our job, but it's the feeling we have, and it's uh, what we get also in, in the wines. Uh, 1993 was probably the first really hot uh, harvest in uh, in Friuli, in Italy, generally speaking, and and we thought was was we thought at the time maybe we thought that it was a. Uh, how can I say an exception mm. and then we realized that vintages like that can occur more and more often so what, what have you changed then to adapt for this how, how do you well in, in, a, in a long term process of course in a long term process the, the vineyards we plant now right now we use um, we adopt a more uh, vigorous and more uh, and stronger rootstocks for, for the vineyards rootstocks that can stand this kind of extreme uh, weather better. Of course, the age of the vine is very important. An old vine has its own, um, has developed its own uh, strategy of, of uh, facing uh, the environment. So if it's too hot, let's, let me say too, if it's, if it's very hot, an old vine with, will adapt to that stress in a better way in a better way than a young one um, having said that we 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 are lucky enough to to grow vines in a, in a, in the right spot so the traditional way making here in terms of the knowledge but also in terms of the environment itself is a good one and so we keep going and so even if the weather sometimes is a little extreme our wine making our vineyards will face that will support will uh, will face we, we won't be too much bothered by that okay because of the self defense we'll they come, developed we'll come back to to more conversation about climate change and adaptation uh, perhaps a bit later but yes. um, i would like you to tell our listeners a bit about the, the actual wines you make we've just been tasting um, or five of your wines. So yes. Maybe you could just talk the listener through what we've just tasted, the wines you're making, um, and, and a bit about the Friulano grape as well, which I think is, as we discussed, yes. is quite, uh, it's not as well known as it might be, I think is fair to say. Well, that could be, a thank you for, for mentioning that. Uh, it's uh, because of the historical um, heritage of the area, we traditionally grow many, many different grape varietals. Uh, some of them are uh, native, some of them um, were brought to the area from the, I, mean, I don't want to say domination, but let's say for the contacts that in the history in the last, in the last thousand years we had of uh, different um, European cultures. So we naturally grow uh, some grapes uh, from uh, originally origin from from Germany, from France, different different areas from France. We grow the Adriatic, the most famous Adriatic uh, white grape, which is the Malvasia. All of that is part of uh, of the winemaking of uh, Friuli. Uh, we focus. We decided to focus on the on the grape varietals that, according to our experience, and um, better show the potential their potential in this area. So we had three great single um, varietals. At the beginning, you remember, Dobby, we had Friulano, Pinot Grigio, and Sauvignon Blanc. Mm -hmm. Friulano, of course, is a native one to, to the region, while uh, Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Grigio were introduced uh, kind of few centuries um, ago. So they're not native to Friuli, but they became traditional to Friuli. And so we consider them just as our own grapes 
um, through those wines, we wanted to show somehow there was a field rouge between linking the three wines, which is the terroir, but at the same time, we wanted to express the character of the, of the three different grape varietals. After that, we joined, uh, we, we tasted two blends, two Rosazzo di OCG blends, uh, specifically Abbazia di Rosazzo 2014 and Terre 2015. Both wines are blends of Friulano mostly with uh, Pinot Bianco and Sauvignon Blanc. In the Abbazia di Rosazzo blend there is a, a touch of Malvasia Estriana and uh, Ribolla Gialla uh, as well according to the DOCG Rosazzo regulations and according to the vineyards of the Abbazia. Um, yes, as we said, uh, the Abbazia di Rosazzo has maybe kind of expressed a little bit more of an austere character, more balsamic notes, while, while Terre Alte is more tropical, is more giving, is more generous in terms of, uh, of, of what? In terms of... Uh, Toby, what do you think? <laughs> um, yeah, I think... It's more generous in terms, of, of, in terms of the aromatics, in yeah, terms of... I think you describe it as more fleshy. Yeah. In a sense, you've got more of the tropical fruit. It's more of a sort of open-rounded wine. Yes. Rather than the other one, which is much more... Austere and austere, and also it's a wine that needs to my. Uh, it's more selective in terms of food pairing, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Well, Terre Alte is is always good with many kinds of food, but di Rosazzo, in order really to boost and to give the best, um, tend to need salty food, such as oysters, uh, caviar, blue cheese. That kind of uh, salty that. You can you can bring salty to the table from the sea, but not necessarily from the sea. It can be also a cheese, for instance. Yeah, and if if we've inspired any listeners to taste those two wines, which you should, listeners, um, Andrea, where, where can they go in the UK or anywhere else to, to buy your wines? That I don't know. That you don't know. <laughs> come, here. I will, come here. 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 You know, what sustainability means. Yes. What's your sense among winemakers in this region of of becoming more sustainable? And what does that actually mean? Because, I mean, weather adaptation is one thing. Yes. But, but what about the other elements? Well, what I think, first of all, is that I think to be, to do, to, to manage, to approach a sustainable viticulture is a must. That's something that all of us, we all want to do it well, we all need to do it, and most of us want to do it. Having said that, I don't have a recipe. I don't think that one, one, uh, one uh, path to sustainability, I would say that in English, sustainability. sustainability. It's a terrible uh, word. <laughs> yeah, it's very difficult. But means a lot uh, and nothing at the same time. Yeah. So uh, having said that, uh, I don't think that one path to sustainability is good and the other is bad. I think it's important that every winemaker tend to approach sustainability and do it in the way he thinks is, is the good one or the one he can afford. Um, I think it's very important for, for viticulture to be a kind of a champion, to be the cutting edge of sustainability because A, generally speaking, we have the profits that allows us to think of it. 
I think that maybe in other in other for other agricultural pro products, there's no pro the, the, the the margin of profit is so small that I mean uh, uh, the producer cannot afford a more a more a more expensive way of of, of producing. Uh, generally speaking, in wine making in in viticulture, we could we can think it's possible. B the background, the cultural background of, of uh, winemaking and viticulture is thousands of years, so it's also kind of an intellectual uh, side of, uh, in, it's kind of an intellectual approach to the topic that we as winemakers, as wine growers, should pretend to have uh, to do it, to have the break, to have the possibility of doing that. So we have a kind of double possibility, yeah. economical and intellectual. So you, you, Sorry you've if made <laughs> the case for doing more. So what's changed in the last 10 or 20 years? I mean, a lot of the other wine producers or, or the regions I visit, they talk about how 20 years ago they used to use a lot of chemicals. Now they're using way fewer chemicals. They're using um, perhaps... Well, um, what, what I can say, I'm not, an, I'm not really an expert in, in, in this, but what I can, I can point out is that to escape, to avoid chemicals, what we did in the past is we we adopted the the ancient viticultural uh, approach to contrast um, peronospora and oidio. I don't, I can say that in English with the fungus that that affect the the, the vines most, and uh, the the ancient way, the traditional way was uh, using copper. Well, copper is a heavy metal. And is no good for the human, for us as consumers. Is no good for the land because it's, it will stay in the land forever. So um, the so-called organic, the so-called organic viticulture based on the use of copper, I don't think that's the right answer, uh, and that's not the right solution. Uh, sometimes, let me say this, uh, in uh, as we say in Italiano, uh, uh, non politicamente corretto, it might <laughs> be, <laughs> it might be that some chemicals are uh, are not worse than the use of copper. So what do you what do you do instead? We do, you're not looking at organic. Uh, we do no no no. We do organic. We do, we are developing our own. We are developing our own our own uh, protocol of using uh, copper in a in a in a new way, which is a kind of micro micro use of of, of copper, okay. and uh, we're doing that. Uh, we're doing that. We started seven years ago, so we're still experimenting. We have more and more uh, vineyards grown with this system. So it's about being more precise and scientific with your use of copper. Copper, yes. Okay. Yes. It's not just spray. And that's as a spray on the vine. Yes, correct, correct. And I don't, I can't. If you need, I, I could be more precise in, in the future. Maybe it's not. A, it's not just a matter of, of quantity. It's also mm -hmm. a matter of of of, um, of uh, the status of copper. I mean, it's not copper itself. There are some molecules that contain a little bit of copper, and that's enough to to yeah. kind of uh, homeopathic use of copper, if I can put okay. it that way. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. and it's not easy. I mean, it's too. I'm. Um, it's. It's. Uh, I'm saying this in a in an easy way, but but. It's not an easy process. So, do you? See I mean, there is a, a scientific base. Yes, yeah, scientific background. Yeah. But if you if, do, you see then as you become, I suppose, more careful in your use of things like copper, more precise in your grape growing and winemaking. Do you see then lower yields, and does that have an economic 
Uh, well, could, could be, of course, yes. Uh, it could be because uh, you can have more grapes affected by a disease. And of course, in order to make wines, we do need perfect, perfectly healthy grapes. Mm. So we have a very strict uh, process of selection grapes when we pick. We, we don't just pick and put everything in a container and that, that would be wine. Mm. We, we select only the perfect uh, bunches and, and, and grapes. And it's all hand-picked. So it's all hand-picked, yes. That's why, that's why we can do that. And so sometimes in specific uh, vintages, uh, we have to select more. And so we lose, we lose uh, potential grapes, potential wine. That's why the, 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 the yield will decrease. What do you think about this movement towards biodynamic approaches? We were talking about that earlier before we turned the tape on. Is it, is, it, is, it is wonderful. It is really it is fascinating. Uh, in our environment, it's so difficult because we have uh, uh, this, uh, this is the environment. We said that the, the weather is, is becoming more and more ex extreme. But uh, even before that, the tradition of uh, the weather tradition of this area is a lot of rain very much um, in a short period so we can we can have a period of dry a small dry season and then a lot of rain so a wet season and then we go back to, to dry it's not it's not it's not uh, rain here is not regular it's not regular all over through the, the, yeah. the, the summer mm -hmm. or spring and summer so it's difficult it's difficult to implement the biodynamic dynamic uh, concepts here. But they can do it in... Um, let me challenge you on that. Yes, one, please. Though, because um, you could argue that in Champagne, you could argue that in, in Burgundy, in fact, yet, yet lots of them are moving towards biodynamic approaches. Mm, and I hear that um, biodynamic winemaking gives you much better assistance. We get, we get a kind of maybe double, double of rain as in Burgundy here. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. And Champagne? Champagne, I don't know about don't that. Know, okay. But so, no, no, champagne. <laughs> I can say that it's not really non-political. Champagne is 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 so much technological. I mean, champagne is champagne making is very. I would like. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you stopped yourself from saying something. Like that. I think you should tell us what you were going to say. No, I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'm not okay. Um, let I, me let me um, let me finish off by asking you about. Um, natural wines, because yes. we, we had a conversation about this earlier. You're seeing a lot of natural wines on menus, it's becoming a trendy thing. Um, but uh, my suggestion to you earlier was that if I was a winemaker, I'd find the notion of other people calling their wines natural and, and mine not having that on the label, I'd find that a bit annoying. Um, so what are your views on this, this natural wine? Well, in fact, my view is that what I do, what I don't like and what I think uh, should be pointed out is that um, natural wine doesn't exist. I mean, wine is always the result of the interaction between nature and, and, and the activity of, of the human being, of the man. Uh, natural would be just leave the grapes on the vine, do not picking. At the moment, at the moment that we, we pick the vine and uh, we don't, we don't, we don't uh, let the liquid become vinegared very soon, that would be the project of nature. Uh, <clears throat> at that point, it's not natural anymore. Or everyone is natural, we could say. So what I what I don't like is that some <coughs> wines are considered natural and others are not. Uh, having said that, 
I do not uh, I do not complain about any kind of wine if you like to drink and if you like to make a wine in a specific way please let's do it let's please do it I'm not complaining about any kind of wine making process and not any kind of uh, wine appreciation or wine uh, any kind of approach to the wines I think we are open to to do whatever we want and to drink whatever we want and one one final question just to finish off you mentioned um, weather becoming more volatile earlier. Yes. Um, is that something that every winemaker around here would, would agree with? And is there something you guys, as a, or guys or girls, as a group of winemakers, could, could do more about in terms of talking to the government, in terms of you know, making your views known on, on issues around climate change? Because you're going to be hit, hit first. We, we, lo lo we are weak, weak. Deboli, how do you say deboli? Weak, locally, because we don't talk too much. That's the tradition of the area. We're kind of uh, individualisty. Um, oh, so the wine winemakers aren't really talking to each other. We talk, but not. We should talk to. We should talk more, and and, and we should uh, also talk about about this topic in a, in in a better way. And I don't know what if the government can do anything about about this. Uh, but you're right. There's something that it's time to it's time to point this out, and it's time to face it, and it's time to th see if there's a way of managing all of this. Because I imagine instead of just waiting and saying, "Well, it's going worse and worse," or yeah, it's changing, yeah. and that's it. And I imagine there are limits to what you can do in the vineyard. Right? I mean, you can get more heat-resistant or drought-resistant rootstock. You can do better canopy management. You can experiment with different kinds yes. of yeasts. Yes. But all of those things have limits, I guess, if, if the weather becomes of more course, volatile. Of course, but, uh, but there's something that we can do and we should do, and we do. Uh, and we do. We should do it in a, in a better way, maybe in a, in, a, in a more, as you said, in a more... Uh, keep, uh, in a more collaborative, collaborative way. way. Yes, correct. Collaborative between us, winemakers, and collaborative with the government. Yes, right. for sure, and the scientific uh, board. Wonderful. Um, Andrea, um, you've got grapes to go and pick soon, so <laughs> I will leave you to it. But thank you so much for your time today on the podcast. It's been a fascinating tasting and interview, so thank you. Thank you so much.